0: Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. Here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, you're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful host of this podcast, current student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, graduating in a couple of short months. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. I'm currently on Spring Break right now as we speak. I'm in a beautiful resort in Newport Beach, California. Wish I could show you guys the view, and I actually can. If you go, hop on and go follow the new Locked On Diamondbacks Instagram. You see a little. You can now get little sneak peeks and behind the scenes of. Things I'm doing for the podcast, me recording where I am at that, uh, where where I'm recording at that time of the day, you know, what location. So you could go see where I am right now in this beautiful location, Newport Beach. So go check that out and give the Locked On Diamondbacks Instagram a subscribe. Now, as always, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. For segment number one today, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Yasmani Tomas, one of my favorites on the D-backs. Let's talk about him, the little contributions he did in 2019, and if he can muster up anything for the team in 2020. And then for segment number two today, uh, it's where we at Wednesday. So I'll look at how the D-backs have fared now through three weeks of spring training and if things are finally going in the right direction for the team. But first... If your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast, Locked On Diamondbacks, is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks@gmail.com at gmail.com to find out more now. For segment number one today, as I said, we are talking about Yasmani Tomas. Tomas, you know, he signed a six-year, $68.5 million dollar deal uh, with the D-backs, you know, about a half decade ago now. He's in the final year of that deal. So we're almost done with the Yasmani Tomas experiment, and there's been a lot of up and downs. Uh Thio's Manito Master's career up until this point, he's actually just produced a uh, 2.5 wins below replacement level. He just provided 2.5 wins below replacement level. I had to say that twice. So you know what that means. That means basically if you put in a replacement level player in Fuyo's Manito Master, they're expected to get to produce more wins for your team, about almost three wins more for your team than Yosmani Tomas being in your lineup. So I think that's crazy that you could put in a guy off the bench, uh, you know, theoretically, to replace yosmani Tomas and get more wins than a guy you're paying, you know, $68.5 million to. And I think he's actually scheduled to make $17 million in 2020. But the real question is, is uh, are the D-backs actually going to get any value out of that money? Or are they just going to keep him in AAA again? If you just look at uh, Yasmani Tomas' time with the team... He debuted back in 2015, and he didn't play too much. Uh, well, he played a decent amount of games. He played 120 games, batted 273, only nine home runs, you know, 17 walks, 110 strikeouts, so that's a lot. But the team decided it was enough to, you know, give him a, a chance in his second year. You know, he was signed to a big deal, so he wanted to give him opportunities. So back in 2016, Yasmin yeah, Tomas, you know, he kind of paid off in a big way. He batted 272, so he was right around his average from the year before, but in 140 games in 2016, his home run spiked to 31, with 81 ribbies and 31 walks. So, he's really able to produce in 2016 at only 25 years of age, and really show flashes. Being an all-star, really a middle of the lineup kind of guy, real key cog in an offense. But then in 2017, he only played 47 games, but at 241. So he didn't get he didn't do too much in 2017, and then was riddled. Or not riddled, but just sent to the minors for the, I guess exiled is the right word, exiled to the minors for the entire 2018 season. Didn't see any time with the D-backs at all. And then in 2019, he got a measly six at-bats, no hits, no runs, no stats at all pretty much, no OBP. The only stats he had was three strikeouts. So he didn't do much in, 26, uh, in 2019. At least he was able to get back to the majors. He he uh, finally got back after East Coast sweep at the end of July. He made you know three pinch hit appearances against the Marlins, and he did not do good in those pinch hit appearances. He went over three in all of them. He had two strikeouts in three of those appearances. So he he just was not ideal in those pinch hit appearances. But you know what? They gave him a chance against the Yankees. They said, you know what? We're actually going to start you, make you a DH." And he started against the New York Yankees. He finally made his first uh, start in over two years, dating back to June of 2017. And the start didn't go so well in 2019 against the Yankees. He went 0-3, uh, another strikeout, and even had a double play. So in the limited, you know, only six play appearances, so a very small sample size, but... And the limited appearances he did have, he did not, you know, take advantage. He didn't show anything. He didn't flash. He didn't pop. He didn't hit a long dinger. He didn't, you know, bring guys home and run scoring positions. He didn't really do anything. I mean, granted, you didn't get a lot of opportunity, Yasmani Tomas. But in the little opportunity you did get, you didn't get anything. Uh, you didn't produce anything. And sometimes you're not going to get a lot of opportunity in life. You might just get that one small chance. And you have to take full advantage whenever you can. And Yasmani Tomas didn't do that to the fullest. He did do it in the minors, though, last year. It looked like, just based off his numbers, he probably should be on the major league team. With the AAA Reno Aces last year, he batted 301, 341 OBP, 590 slugging, and a 931 OPS. And he even had a four-home run day back in 2019 in the minors. And he won the A Home Run Derby. So he was low-key killing it in the minors. But whenever he came to the major league level, the production was just not the same. And a lot of it just because there's just no place, at least in the NL, you can put him on the defense. He just struggles defensively. And he really won't be able to become an everyday player or starter. Until they really add a DH to the NL or if he moves to the AL, he's probably more uh, fit to be a DH in terms of his skill set. He's more of a slugger. He's not going to do anything for you defensively. He's really a liability in that aspect. So you really need him to be like a power hitting guy. He could hit for a solid average, but you want him to be more of a power hitting guy and a guy who could produce runs and drive guys home. Now, in 2020, I don't know what kind of role or spot on the team Yasmin Tomas will have. I'm not even sure if he'll be on the roster at all in 2020, if he'll make any starts or pinch appearances. We'll see what happens with the team. If he continues to rake in the AAA minors, then he might get another chance and we'll see what happens. But until then, I don't have a lot of faith that he'll be any part of the D-backs future in 2020. and They'll probably just let him walk once free agency rolls around at the end of the season. Now, you guys are going to want to stay tuned for segment number two today because it's where we are Wednesday, so I got a great segment number two today talking about how the D-backs have looked now through three weeks of spring training after this quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising. And let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. back for segment number two today. It's where we at Wednesdays. Wow, I hit that melody. Went a little bit with a, I guess, lower pitch, a little bit soother tone. I really felt like I hit that time. But yeah, it's where we at Wednesdays. So let's take a look at how the D-backs are faring now through spring training. And it's actually kind of crazy. Since we last talked, I'm pretty sure the D-Backs are in the middle of a pretty big losing streak. I think they just had their last loss to the Indians, I believe, and that was a Madison Bumgarner start where he did not fare too well. The D-backs were, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I think they were on a seven or eight game losing streak the last time I talked to you guys. And the ties have actually turned. They're currently undefeated since that Madison Bumgarner lost to the Cleveland Indians when they lost 6-2. The D-backs are undefeated since that time with a win over the Rangers. Two ties against the Rockies and Angels. A win against the Padres. A win against the Cubs. Another tie against the Royals. And a win against the Reds. So they're technically undefeated during that time. And the best thing about the uh, D-backs during that little stretch is their offense. That offense is finally starting to come around. Arizona Sports has been writing about it. That D-backs offense is looking ready for spring training. If you just rattle off the numbers that they've been putting up, 11 runs against the Rangers, 6 runs against the Rockies, 6 against the Angels, 10 against the Padres, 8 against the Cubs, 4 against the Royals, and 10 against the Reds. The D-backs have just been crushing it offensively in spring training. If you just look at the numbers in spring training for the NL, they're ranking at the top of the list for every category. Average top three, OBP top three, OPS top three, home runs top three. Pretty much everything they're top three in. Steals is pretty much the only category where they're not top three in. I'll say they have to fix that for the 2020 season. I think that's probably one of the D-backs' biggest weaknesses, they really struggle to get guys and easy scoring opportunities. And they struggle with manufacturing runs just the easy way, like how the Royals won their World Series. So I think if the D-backs could work on that, it would help their offense out a lot in 2020 and I put so much pressure on trying to hit a home run or, you know, try to do things like that that's a little bit tougher to do, that takes more time, timing, and, and a little bit more luck manufacturing runs through stolen bases and bunts and, you know, the small things in baseball, it can be a little bit easier for your team if you want to, if you're struggling, put runs on the board. But so far, the D-backs' offenses look great in spring training. They're on the right track, and they finally look to be turning a quarter offensively at least. And the same could kind of be said for the D-backs pitching. They're still dead last in ERA in the NL in spring training, but it went from like a 7-5, 7-6, now it's like a 6-5. So they shaved off like about a point off their team ERA. So it started to be a little bit better. And if we just look at a few starts, some guys are really starting to step up in spring training and starting to finally get their legs under underneath them as we head into, you know, finally start to head into opening day bumgarner against the royals he was pretty good he pitched into the 4th inning he went 3.2 innings pitched, he had 73 pitches total, 3 hits, no runs, a walk, and 4 strikeouts. And his fastball was always around the low 90s, and that's where Madison Bumgarner likes to be in spring training. So that was a very good uh, uh, outing against the Royals from Bumgarner after struggling against the Indians. Then Alex Young came in in that same game after Bumgarner, and he actually struggled in that game. Alex Young has been pretty solid all spring training for the D-backs, but... This game is where he struggled a little bit more. He was really hit around in this game, finished with 3.1 innings pitch, but he had seven hits, five for extra bases, three earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. He tossed 56 pitches, and he had 38 for strike. So Alex Young was definitely beat up in this game. The The long ball was getting away, for, uh, was getting away from him. He even gave up an inside the park home run, so he really had no good luck in that game. But overall, on the during spring training, Alex Young has been pretty solid for the team. I like the way he's looked. Yeah, this is probably his worst outing so far, but... When you pair it with the other outings he's had, it's still been a solid spring training for Alex Young. And depending on how this next start goes, I think he has a pretty good shot of possibly getting one of these rotation spots. Tyler Clark went pretty good against the Royals. He had 2.2 innings pitched two earned runs six strikeouts so you know two earned runs in 2.2 innings that's like all right but the six strikeouts you'd like to see maybe you know like I said with Taylor Clark your long relief pitcher you know come in spot starter it looks like he could get guys out at a high clip so that's always good maybe a middle relief guy it all depends how Torrey Lavella wants to use him I don't see him right now as a rotation guy he's been struggling in spring training but we do like those six strikeouts against the Royals I do apologize if you guys hear any sniffling during the podcast. I got allergies, so I I tried the best to, to not do it over the airs, but sometimes I struggle with it. And then Merrill Kelly against the Padres, he went four innings pitched, two earned runs, and three strikeouts. Merrill Kelly has actually been pretty solid during spring training. He's looked a lot better than some of the other pitchers like Luke Weaver and some uh, and like uh, Taylor Clark. So Merrill Kelly might be making his case for one of these rotation spots. It all depends, of course, on Tori Lavella. but Merrill Kelly's been pretty consistent, honestly, during spring training. He hasn't been really outside of probably his first start in spring training, he's been pretty consistent. He hasn't given up a lot of earned runs. So he's gone out there and he's pitched pretty well for the team. And I can't hate on the guy. Yeah, I don't like how old he is. I don't like how it's only his second year. He's already 31 years old. But hey, if you can pitch and you can do it well, you're always going to have a spot on a major league team. They don't care about your age. They do care about that stuff, but they care more about what kind of production can you give me. And Merrill Kelly, if Merrill Kelly can be a solid back end of the rotation guy for the D-backs, we will surely find a way to use him. And then Zach Allen against the Angels went 3.2 innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, and two strikeouts. So, an almost four innings pitched, two earned runs is not too bad at all. That's not too shabby. And Zach Allen, I think, has been. Are you know in the conversation for best pitcher for the D backs so far in spring training? I love the way he's looked. I think he's really been showcasing his stuff during spring training, really showing everyone what I've been saying all you know, all these past weeks on the podcast about why I believe he could be a breakout star for the D backs. I think he's been showing flashes of that, uh, during spring training. I think if he gets unleashed in 2020 with the D backs, if Torrey Lavello does decide to give him one of those rotation spots and he will be unleashed and we'll finally get to see the full culmination of the potential of Zach Allen at least a little bit in 2020. Now, that wraps up today's edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NFL Draft so you guys can get all the latest news coverage and tidbits and knowledge from the NFL Draft brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you guys have a great day. Tune back in tomorrow because it's theme Thursday. So, send your guys topics and questions to the Locked On Dimebacks email. You can even tweet me at Locked On Diamondbacks at Twitter. You can even DM me on Instagram now. Locked on Diamondbacks at uh, or locked on Diamondbacks on Instagram, so it's all the same everywhere. So go find me and tweet at me, DM me, email me, do something, send me your top and questions, and I will address them on tomorrow's podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Peace.